Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. We never get the opportunity to dance like this usually when our music's playing, do we? Nobody can hear it, so... Yeah, they can. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome to episode 100 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Hi everybody. Now they can put a face to the name. I know, I know, that's watch, right. Watch our users are just going to, our listeners are just going to drop off. <laughs> They're just going to go, everyone's <laughs> going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is episode 100. Can you believe it? Yeah. Sorry, I had to do that. I had to do that. Canned, canned applause is, is terrible, but I'm sorry. Um, so, yes, we are doing something a little bit special for you today. As you can tell, we've got to try and remember to look at the cameras because we're just looking at each other as we normally do. So okay. please bear with us on this. But we're going to do our best. We've got a really interesting show for you today. Um, coming up, we've got our guests, our regular guests, our regular monthly contributors, Ruth Roper Wild and Richard Lenny is going to be along later on as well. We're going to kick off straight away because I know you're dying to meet them. Please welcome to the show Ruth Roper Wild. Hi Ruth. Hi Ruth. Hi guys. Congratulations on the 100 episodes. Yeah, it's a good thing we didn't have to use candles cuz Please be up now, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I've just I've just brought you onto the screen because I totally got that wrong because I could see you anyway. So hello, Ruth. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good to see you. Wait, oh, do you know what we've we've spoken to you so many times and you've been such an integral part of our show over the last year. Um, having you actually seeing you in person is is absolutely great. So uh, really appreciate you joining us for this celebration today. Ah, it's just absolutely my pleasure. It's been so much fun this last year. Um, can't believe you've got to 100 episodes. That's just fantastic. Such an achievement. Yeah. and, um, it, and so it's really is... pleased to be part of the celebration. Great. Excellent. No, I really appreciate it. And and this, although this is episode 100, we have done more when you when you look at the other things like the reminiscing with Tom's and everything. But this is this is our 100th. This is the We're Wacky Wonderful original shows 100. So Pe- it's it's quite a big thing for us, isn't it? People don't usually um, act happy to say anything about getting to 100, do they? Like- <laughs> yeah, no. Where, 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 where was the Queen's letter? <laughs> You know, we we should have got a card yeah. or something. You know. Hey, you know, I did hear that um, William and Kate are doing a uh, a Facebook channel. A Facebook? No, not Facebook. YouTube. Now they're on YouTube. Really? Yeah, I read wow. about it this morning. I haven't listened to it yet, but it'd be interesting. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Ruth, we are going to talk to you today about, um, obviously, the work that you do so well, uh, all of your paranormal investigating, and you're looking into some of these old and interesting stories, um, looking into where people can see these these uh, events through your books. Obviously, you've discussed with us in the past. So you are a wealth of knowledge as far as we're concerned, and that's why we like coming to you. Um 
I know that one of our listeners actually got in touch with us. We put out um, uh, a plea for listeners saying if they've got any questions or whatever, then to let us know. A plea. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, people, please. (laughs) Steve actually got in touch, um, and he had a story of when him and his family went to visit uh, the Tower of London, I believe. Uh, I forwarded that on to you because I thought that, obviously, he, he referenced you directly within that. I don't know if you want to share that with the listeners. Absolutely. I mean, it was a really interesting story. You'll have to excuse me looking at it while, instead of the camera while we're talking. Um, but yeah, Steve wrote in to say that he'd been listening to an earlier podcast that I'd been on and that one of the stories I was telling in that had reminded him of a memory that um, him and his wife had of their younger son. So he's got two boys and when they were little, they used to travel around the UK all the time in their camper van, you know, for days out and, and holidays and so on. And they used to visit castles and palaces and historic houses and everything like that because it was a real interest of his wife. Um, So on this particular day, they'd gone to the Tower of London and their youngest lad would have been about five years old at the time. Um, So obviously not really old enough to know very much about history, obviously. Um, And it was quite a crowded day. So they were sort of keeping hold of the boys as they walked round. And they were sort of walking around the uh, exhibits and his wife was talking about the history of them when they got to the armoury in the White Tower at the Tower of London. And the little lad broke free from his hand, ran up to a large um, glass display case, stopped, knelt down in front of it. um, So they sort of quickly ran after him and said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, "Uh, I've been here before. And at that point, they realised that he was kneeling exactly where the marker was for one of the beheading blocks that they used to use at the Tower of London. Um, And of course, it completely creeped him and his wife out. They didn't react in front of the little lad, obviously, because, uh, you know, that they couldn't figure that that could be something he was consciously doing. And afterwards, they talked about it and thought, well, Maybe he'd seen that at other places they'd visited because they did so many historical type visits. But it still stuck with them as such a weird thing for a five-year-old to do, to kneel down at the marker line where a beheading block used to stand. Yeah, and say, I've been here before. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's totally creepy. That really is. I mean, as a parent, just how would that, how would that make you feel? to think that you know you can look at it a couple of different ways can't you if if it turned out actually that you know if, if you're going down the whole premise of reincarnation and if he actually was there and if he actually was kneeling on the chopping block if you like or kneeling at the chopping block you know it's still your kid isn't it you know it's, yeah. you know even though you may not have known that past person or whatever it's still your kid and do you really want them remembering something like that yeah and and exactly, I mean, is that is that a reincarnation that they're remembering, or could it be that there's there's a spirit standing there, who is the child can hear Channeling but the adult him, like... and saying I was I remember being here to mm. the child. It could be either way, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, and it, it just reinforces that theory really that children are more aware of the paranormal around them because they haven't yet learned. Um, the sort of learned behaviour of dismissing things that don't fit into the normal, if you mm, like. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I was searching through the books trying to figure out which story of mine he might have been listening to um, that had put him in mind for that. And I suspect, I might be wrong, but I suspect it might be a story in one of my books about Bosham Harbour in um, Sussex. And this was sent in to me by a lady who, again, was on a family day out and um, they'd visited Bosham Harbour, which is an old historic harbour. Um, with lots of things for you to walk around and look at and so on. This was in 2008. And she had their, um, I think it was her young granddaughter with them. Um, and as part of the walking round, they went into the old church and were looking around when the little girl suddenly remarked, don't like that man over there. And they said, what man, love? Because there wasn't another man that they could see. She said, I don't like that pirate man over by the door okay just imagination um so they sort of made light of it and carried on walking round like you do and then they walked out by the harbour and the little child said again there he is there's that pirate man again he's on one of the boats and again they thought, this is odd she's not done this before this isn't you know she's not usually prone to these sort of types of fantasy when we're walking round but but kind of dismissed it and the day went on they had a lovely day out it was only much later when she was researching the history of where they'd been, because she, again, very interested in the history of places, discovered that actually the church there, the St Andrew's Church at Bosham Harbour, um, actually I'm not sure what it is called St Andrew's, now I'm thinking of it, but the church there at Bosham Harbour anyway, was actually once raided by Danish pirates who stole wow. the bell. Wow. And you know put it on a boat and and ran off with it with it being um uh, well presumably made of uh brass or copper or whatever mm. uh, uh, precious metal at the time um and obviously now there's a legend about they sank and the bell was lost under the sea and you can hear it tolling under the sea sometimes but it was it was that whole connecting with a piece of history that even they didn't know about yeah. so they can't figure out well where did she get this from um, mm. and, and, and again, it's that that childlike just acceptance of what you see or hear without trying to rationalise it away like we might do as adults. Yeah, I mean, even to kids, pirates aren't really that sinister thing that adults see them as. You know, we've got we've got things you like Captain Bugwash and, you know, all, all of those sorts of things where pirates are seen you know maybe as as baddies but but really the the depth of what they got up to wasn't really you know isn't explained to children necessarily no. so um you know i i suppose the the child wouldn't necessarily be frightened by seeing the pirates um and therefore it, it you know they were as far as they're concerned they're just seeing something you know i suppose I don't know whether they would think it's someone dressed up or something. Or... Well, it does make you wonder, though. You know, you hear kids playing all the time, don't you? And they've got these imaginary friends and and they see, oh, don't you see that dinosaur over there? Don't you? You know, whatever. And, and, and we think, oh, well, they're just playing. But do they? <laughs> but you do know? they? It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I can remember from my own childhood... We used to live, at one point in my childhood, we lived in Bury St Edmunds um, in a bungalow that was in the grounds of the old fort where the hanging of the murderer, the Red Barn murderer, took place, which is one of the last public hangings in Britain. Um, 
And I remember as a child, quite quite a young child, I would have been, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, something like that. And I used to walk home from school. And when you entered the gates of the grounds of this old prison that we that our bungalow was in, you actually walked through the gate wall of the ancient prison. Um, and there, that was all that was left standing and the central tower block. And the rest of the grounds was all taken up by modern bungalows and their gardens. So there was just this one bit of really old wall still standing today that you walked through. And there were some um, quite large trees behind it. So it was quite shady behind that. And I distinctly remember that I would often walk through that wall and there would be a white Alsatian-y type dog waiting there for me. And the dog would walk beside me down the long winding um, driveway that our bungalow was the very last Mm. in the complex. So it was quite a long drive down to it. And he'd walk beside me um, and I'd sort of run my hand on his fur. But at the same time, I kind of knew he wasn't there. Um, And I think I would have dismissed that as just childish, you know, making up a, a friend I would always have loved to have had a pet dog when I was a kid of just making up a a companion except that my sister woke up in the middle of the night once terrified and woke me up because she said as she woke up she saw a white Alsatian sitting by my bed oh wow um and I'd never told anybody about my dog because you know I kind of thought he was my little secret you know like children do he was Mm. my secret little companion and I've always wondered from that, I wonder whether I didn't make him up or whether there was something more to that. But it's it's hard as an adult to really get a a clear view back into your childhood that far, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and really pass out from that, whether you were making it up or whether something was actually there. Was that the, it, was that the house? Wonder. Sorry, was that the house that was haunted that you grew up in? That was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I did it's... well when I was a child for ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting that, that you know, if that was, uh, you know, a, a dog entity, if you like, uh, whether whether that was kind of drawn to you in much the same way that the other entities in the house may have been or maybe it was the house that was drawing it in or maybe when you were out you were carrying the entities with you and the ghost and the dog do you know what i mean Uh, it's interesting to wonder what came first you know it's a very interesting question because i have always assumed that the properties that i lived in as a child because there were two that had hauntings um so this particular one in barry sedmans was a modern bungalow so nobody had ever died in it we knew or anything like that um but it was on the grounds of this very old prison um and i'm talking a prison that went back to the at least the 1700s so very old Mm. and but the two ghosts that we saw in that was a woman dressed in modern dress sort of 1970s 1980s type dress probably Mm. and a little boy dressed in modern dress from at least the mid 1900s onwards because he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt so you know obviously that's not particularly dateable but it is at least from the 1950s onwards um so both modern ghosts and, and neither of them anything to do with a dog as far as you could tell um but then i had this this dog that would walk you know um down the pathway with me so is that 
with the house. I've always assumed that they were with the house. Um, we then moved to Hertfordshire to a, a different property, and that had a very active poltergeist in it. And again, I've always assumed that was the house rather than us or me or anybody in the family. But I do know that nobody who lives in it since has mentioned the poltergeist because I did research that for, for one of the books. Um, to be fair, and, and I have to be fair in saying this, when I did the research, one of the people who answered me was able to say, oh, it's currently owned by a family called such and such. And prior to that, it was owned by a family called such and such. And prior to that, it was owned by a family called the Wilds, which, of course, was us, which they didn't make the connection in their head that they were talking to a wild, if you know what I mean. I guess because I go by Roper Wild now. Um, and and in responding, she said to me, and I, to my certain knowledge, none of those families ever had any trouble. And I thought, mm, well, we did, you see. So is that a case of we didn't tell anybody much back at the time? Because I guess you don't. Um, and does that mean that people that lived there after us may also have experienced it and not told people much? And I did check with one of my school friends that I'm still in touch with who was at school with me in that part of my childhood um, and lived in a couple of streets over from that house. And I said to her, do you remember me ever talking about that house being haunted when we were children? You know, I, I know you know the stories now we're adults. She's terrified of ghosts, won't even read my books, bless her. Um, <laughs> um, and she said, I remember you mentioning a couple of things occasionally. But if I'd have known as much about it as I now know, because you talk about it, you know, in relation to the work you do now, I would never have visited. <laughs> I'd never have come around to play, which kind of reminds you that we learn quite quickly not to talk about paranormal experiences as children, don't we? Because it doesn't fit into the genre that people want to talk about does it it makes you the weird one or or you know you you yeah. opening yourself to ridicule or whatever not so only as that your parents are probably play a big part in it by saying oh no 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 don't don't talk about yeah. that don't say anything well what what i picked up from that is the fact that your friend presumably came over and saw you at, at your house and obviously didn't pick up on anything really while she was yeah. in your place, because it was a, you know, like you said, she wasn't she wasn't aware of the stuff that was going on at the time. No, absolutely not. The only time I can remember our friends picking up on it, um, bizarrely, was after we all left the property, and there was a period of time I I since left I'd left home before my parents sold the property, as had my sister. We, you know, we'd grown up and left home. Yeah. Um. But we, I was still living local to that area at that time. My sister had moved to another part of the country. And when they sold it, there was a six-month period. I can't remember why, but it was sold but not yet completed. And there was some sort of peculiar bridging loan arrangement going on with the buyers. Um, and they'd given the buyers permission to come in and start some work on the house but it wasn't yet fully completed legally as a sale somehow. I'm not quite yeah. sure what the details of that were. Um, but my parents were a bit worried that they might overstep the boundaries of what they were allowed to do before completion in this six-month period. 
So they asked myself and my brother, who both still lived locally at the time, to swing round every now and again and just check that, you know, it wasn't being knocked down or or Mm. something horrendous that Mm. could then cause financial problems. And we noticed that when we pulled round the porch lights we had there was two carriage lights either side of the front door would flick on and off at us the way they used to do when we lived there and and scare the bejesus out of us <laughs> um so we started it was almost like um honestly running a a, a a ticket show for our friends we'd put them in our cars and drive them around the cul-de-sac to show them that the lights only did it when our car came yeah. past now this was back before you had lights that had um yeah. back, back, back before you had the uh you know you could control them on your phone yeah. exactly yeah. That, that kind of technology and we actually we 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 would wait at the end of the road with a group of i mean we were all in our early 20s by this time late teenagers early 20s um and we'd wait at the end of the road and we could prove that if my brother or i was in the car the lights would respond or if somebody else drove either my car, my motorbike or my brother's car up and round, they would respond. But any other vehicle Didn't. and with us not in it, no response whatsoever. So the lights only responded if they recognised, if you like, something to do with the family. Yeah, so they knew you and they knew your car. <laughs> that's that's really yeah. interesting because I, uh, I remember speaking to a guy who I used to work with and he... Along his street, there was there was a, a man and a woman that had been living together, you know, their their whole life. You know, the, the childhood sweethearts grew up to to be, you know, pensioners, and and you know, eventually the 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 husband died, and they had the coffin in the front living room the way they used to do, sort of, you know, for everyone to come and pay their respects. And um, when they were leaving for the funeral the hearse arrived to to take them away um the as they were leaving the house one of their sons said to the mother um we got to turn the lights off and she said don't worry he'll do it he always you you know that was his job he always checked the lights before we leave the house and as they left the house and the the coffin was loaded uh, obviously into the hearse and they start driving away from the house the lights went off in the house um and so yeah that's that's quite interesting that wow. that you sh- that there's that almost maybe some kind of relationship between you know spirits and the fact that they can affect electrical devices and i was I mean- going to say that is one of the things isn't it electrical things they seem to be able to interfere with that or hmm. you know yeah up. so yeah maybe that is- well, it's been something that it used to happen while we were still living at home and obviously, while we were still living at home, my, my sister and I were old enough to be courting before we left home, whatever, as you called Not it back other. then. <laughs> Not each other. Not each other, Thank you. <laughs> I knew you lived out in the country, but, you know. <laughs> out in the country. Um, and uh, it, the, the lights used to flick on and off when we pulled up outside with our respective boyfriends dropping us off, you know. Um, and we, for a long time, we thought it was our mum kind of going, don't you sit out there nicking with, you know, necking around with your boyfriend. <laughs> and then not wanting a conflict of us coming in and, you know, being stroppy teenagers about it, mm. running off and pretending to be in, asleep. But after a little while, we debunked that because I crept into their bedroom 
my mum and dad's bedroom after coming home one night and the lights did this and they were definitely fast asleep um so sneaky. So, you know the lights doing it not somebody in the house doing it so that had happened while we actually lived there and now it was repeating it after we'd left as if like a little signal like i'm still here remember mm. me but the odd thing was it, it, we, we literally ran these little tours my brother and i for a couple of weeks period you know come on let's go and have a look at the house you know with our friends um and then i mentioned it to my parents who were, had moved you know a couple of hundred miles away at this point um, and they said, well, they, they can't be. The electricity's turned off in the house. Oh, wow. That, um, that, that makes it even more freaky then. Yeah. Because now the, thing, now the thing can't only manipulate a switch, but it can provide the energy to be able wow. to, to power it. That's, yeah. I, I've got a million questions that I wanted to ask you um, about other things. So, obviously... Um, lockdown has been a, a challenge for most people at the moment and and obviously getting out and about and doing the things that we love to do i like for instance you know ghost hunting and investigating all that sort of stuff um have you found that during lockdown while people have been at home more they've had time to get in touch with you now and have you learned any interesting stories over lockdown that maybe someone has now got the time to write you well um <laughs> I think the simple answer is no more than usual. Um, I mean, as you know, I, my preferred um, methodology for writing each book is to start with a source story and then go out on social media and ask people whether they've had any paranormal experiences in that same locale um, and then sort of try and collate, um, you know, the, the, the paranormal that is occurring in one location. Um, and I'd, I'd been collating those databases for years before I started writing the actual books. Um, so I've got an awful lot of these source stories and I pick and choose which ones to put out on social media and so on. The only thing I've found with lockdown is the posts on social media got a lot more reaction I guess because people were stuck at home scrolling through yeah. social social media, but I don't. I didn't notice any upswing in the number of people actually with a story, <clears throat> just the number of people engaging with the post. I think. I wonder whether people have noticed more stuff going on in their homes, seeing as they've been spending more time at home. You know, I wonder if more people are now discovering that their house is haunted, whereas normally they'd be at work and they wouldn't be experiencing these things. I did wonder that, you know, but I haven't really got any empirical evidence of that yet. Um, I say yet specifically. I, I do know of one lady who has promised that she will write to me, who has noticed more because she's been working at home. She always knew before then that the house had some sort of entity in it. Um, but of course, since working at home, she's been much more aware of it. So I do know of one but she hasn't yet given me the full detail on that. So I, I haven't got much more to give on that, unfortunately. Um, but you'd kind of think with people being at home more that they would perhaps notice an uptick in the paranormal activity there. Um, but I honestly haven't, I can't say that I've got any sort of evidence of that yet. Probably don't have, probably don't have any like uptick because 
people are probably arguing with each other more, and that's why things are flying through the air. Because <laughs> well, I, was, I, was, I, I was wondering about that too, you know, because obviously one of the things that you 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 did a, a monthly report on poltergeists uh, going back, you know, a, a couple of episodes ago. And, you know, you mentioned in there that very often poltergeists are drawn to sort of teenagers and, and specifically yeah. teenage girls. girls yeah. um, and so I wondered, with especially with school not being around and, and with there being more friction now because, you know, everyone's at home all the time, you don't get a chance to go out, the cabin fever stuff sort of starts setting in, whether there was that increased prevalence maybe and who knows maybe a couple of months down the line we'll start to hear about those things you know once people start to realize that the things that are going on aren't because the you know the cup was by the edge of the you know the worktop and that's why it fell off you know and because I'm sure you could say yourself you know having lived through it yourself I'm sure there's a period of time from when it begins to when you realize you know what's going on there definitely is because even with the the poltergeist we lived with which like i say was quite an active poltergeist from talking to other people who've experienced something similar um i i can't now honestly remember the start of it um which leads me to believe exactly that it probably started off um with fairly small events it probably for a little while we kind of dismissed stuff as oh that was odd but didn't really think it through um and it was only when you know you start to get a pattern of behavior if you like that you start to think i really don't have an explanation for this Mm. um and certainly in our case you know as the activity ramped up um and we had things that were you know so major you couldn't possibly dismiss them as anything normal like there was one particular day my mother and I watched a tea towel fold itself I'm sure I've mentioned this before but um you know it was screwed up on the side an ordinary tea towel and it it just we were chatting away it was broad daylight it was about six o'clock on a summer's evening radio was playing and it just flattened itself out on the work surface and then folded itself once that way once that way and then once that way to form a neat little square while my mum and I just stood there sort of open mouthed staring at it like what the heck yeah there's uh, just uh, no explanation I mean you can't no. blame gravity you know you can't you can't do any of that in those situations you know and but what a ghost to have a house proud ghost I was gonna say c- come on over let's have a- <laughs> Bryce could do with Fold one of those in his room anytime you like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. um so do you I guess with with the um with the lockdown and everything, have you got kind of like a diary now for when all of this opens of all of the places you're going to go to meet people to, to talk about, you know, their experience? Have you got interviews lined up? Have you got investigations planned? I really am that sad that I sat one day and entered into my phone calendar all the days when I could go and visit something, um, particularly from my book, The Almanac of Ghosts, which mm. is about ghosts that haunt on certain days. So that if I was, you know, when they opened up and I was allowed to drive places again, that I could go and, um, you know, get back out on the road and and get some ghost hunting under the belt. Um, uh, Because I love visiting these places because my experience, both my own personal experience, plus all the hundreds of people I've interviewed, um, 
if there was one thing it's taught me is that the myth that ghosts only pop out at night is clearly just that it's a myth ghosts pop out anytime they like day or night doesn't matter paranormal occurrences are anytime day or night so i'm perfectly happy to plan a sunday um picnic out to a haunted location um and sort of combine having a nice dog walk and a picnic um in the sunny sunshine with a bit of ghost hunting yeah because you know i'm well aware that i'm just as likely to capture something then as in the dead of night um so yes i've got quite a long list of places to go to on my phone programmed in ready as soon as you know full movement is allowed again we did go for a drive last sunday um and uh took in a couple of locations right at photographs and so on of haunted roads um because I'm starting to research for book number six at the moment. So num- book number six is well on the way. Um, <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask you about that. I was I was going to ask you if you would share a couple of little, little sort of teasers. Well, I can do. Um, uh, the main teaser is, and so anybody who's been following my Facebook page, you are not going to win this now, okay? if you then pick this up answer up off this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> i did run a little um competition to say that anybody who could guess the name of the book number six would get a free copy of it um and unfortunately nobody's managed to guess it even though i had dropped a few teasers prior to that um so the next book is going to be the roadmap of british ghosts 2 volume 2 um because i've had so many people saying oh we need more of this you know they really enjoyed the roadmap um so yes i've been uh, gathering more stories about uh the ghosts that haunt our roads and amazing so amazing that do you know I, I love all of your books but that one that one really captured me because it, it I, my job was it's it, my job now is based at home which is amazing you know my job has changed like so many other people's after after doing you know the lockdown thing yeah um but i used to travel all over the country all the time and uh i i can associate with a lot of the places that you're talking about because i've been there or near there so i can kind of yes picture it and i think that that you know whether you're in, into ghosts or whether you're into geography or whether you just want to know what's going on in your area or if you want to know what went on in the place that you grew up or anything like that this book has it because it's from, like you said, all over the UK, um, and uh, yeah, I think that I think that a volume two of that will be greatly received. The best part is when you you get to go on field trips to do your research. It's like oh, sitting around. Well, what are we going to do today? Well, let's go and have a look at here or there. Let's wander off down yeah. this road. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it, it was quite good because even during lockdown, um, you know, even when we were only allowed to go very locally. Um, I started on the Bedfordshire ones um, where people had sent me information about Bedfordshire ones. Um, So one of the places we visited even during lockdown is a place called Carlton's Piper's Highway. Um, And I love researching this sort of thing because Piper's Highway is actually an ancient greenway. So it would have been used, um, you know, as a a proper old English trackway back in medieval and even pre-medieval times. Um, so just finding that, which obviously now to the modern eye, 
you wouldn't realize it's as old as it is unless you were researching just finding that and walking the dogs a little way down it and taking a couple of photographs is immense fun even if you don't see anything paranormal um but it's it's actually a bridal way or part of it part of it that remains is a bridal way today um and uh i had a story uh, from a lady that who well actually was his her husband that wrote into me to say that is in September 2020 so just last year his wife had been walking her dog down there um and saw a figure ahead of her walking down the track um when it when it first caught her eye she just thought it was another person walking ahead of her but sort of in the next split second as she focused on it she realized it was moving quite quickly and seemed sort of smoky like not quite filled in if you know what i mean mm. moved very quickly and, and very quickly disappeared so it wasn't quite substantial mm. um so that they, they, they sort of reached out to me to say have you heard anything else that you know about along this track or anything um so of course we went out and visited the track and took a couple of photos and walked the dogs a little way along it. And I I did my usual going out on social media and and researching it. And one of the um, people who wrote back was one of the landowners whose land this track crosses part of. Um, and he explained um, that although he doesn't really believe in the paranormal and hasn't ever experienced anything himself. He does remember hearing from older members of his family about 40 years ago about that track being haunted. Mm. So he had memory of an older knowledge of that track being haunted, if you like. Um, and he was able to tell me that there used to be some cottages down there meant a long time ago. And one of them had burned down and he, he had a vague memory of one of his old relatives mentioning that somebody had died when it bowled burned down so that of course meant i was able to do a bit more research having that information um and and another lady came came up and said she keeps her horses kept down there and she has often felt an atmosphere down that that particular lane um so yeah it, it, it's amazing that you can get even very locally to yourself if you start digging mm. you can get this information and, and get somewhere interesting to go and see um so yeah I, I got all sorts of information about there and managed to find out that the the fire in the cottage was in the early 1900s um and it was actually uh at a property that had been called piper's lodge so obviously right. part of the, the piper's highway you know all part of the same name so you can start with such tiny nuggets and and dig and 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 well do the research i wonder whether um, it was the piper that started the fire yeah who knows who knows <laughs> <laughs> there was there was um something in one of the monthly reports that you did that totally popped my noggin right and um popped your noggin yeah it's a lovely expression yeah. <laughs> isn't it um and that was you were talking about how cyclical hauntings can't really be cyclical they can't really fall on the same day because of the way the calendar changed can can you explain that a little bit more for maybe listeners that that didn't catch that particular episode because that totally changed my whole like paradigm of, of, of how how this works 
Yeah, so I figured this one out when I was researching and writing The Almanac of British Ghosts, which is all about those hauntings that are, are known as either anniversary hauntings or cyclical hauntings. In other words, they happen on one particular day of the year. And normally it's as a result of, you know, a haunting that because there was a battle on that day or somebody was beheaded on that day or somebody was murdered on that day. Um, you know, it, it has a historical significance as to why there's the ghost on that day. It might be a crash or, you know, whatever. And that's fine if it's a relatively modern tale, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are much older. And when you actually look at the dates involved, we changed our calendar in, now I always forget which century it was. I think it was the 1600s. The historians will no doubt correct us. And if I went and read the piece, I'd remember. I have a shocking memory. <laughs> Prior to that, we used the Caesarian calendar. We now use the Gregorian calendar. And essentially, in order to... Uh, the, the previous calendar, the Caesarian calendar, didn't quite measure the days of months of the year properly according to lunar cycles and time. So every year we were moving time on. So they changed the Gregorian calendar and introduced the leap years so that the time could be more closely aligned with the actual, you know, circuits around the sun and, and mm -hmm. the lunar and what have you. So that the time works properly. Um, but that means that something like, say, if we, if we take the 1st of January, the 1st of January under the Caesarean calendar prior to the Gregorian calendar was 11 days different. So it's no good if you're looking for a ghost that's prior to the change of calendars and you go on what is now the 1st of January, say, because that's the day that the haunting is supposed to happen. You're 11 days out of sync from when whatever it was actually happened. Um, but curiously, it almost one of the things I, I sort of came to a conclusion with after writing Almanac is there's not really any such thing as cyclical ghosts, particularly. They're kind of more an urban myth, I think, because when you actually look into it and try and find somebody who actually sees it each year, um, you find that if there is paranormal activity, it's really more all year round or in some occasions, sort of that kind of time of year. Mm. You know, so if, if the date is in, say, September, you'll find that the, the paranormal activity around that place ramps up through September and then quietens down again. It doesn't just happen on one specific day. Mm. Um, or you'll find that the place is active all year round, paranormally speaking. Mm. And people maybe or, don't go, they only go to yeah, visit it on a on, on the day other day. Or, yeah, or, or they just report because it's got that day you know it always made me wonder if there were these anniversary ghosts these ghosts that just appear at, you know one time of the year when whatever it was happened you know whatever it was that caused their demise uh usually then what were they doing for the rest of that time 
you know, were they in a waiting room waiting, you know, and now obviously the calendars have changed. <laughs> the, the calendars have changed. Did someone send them a Google Meet, you know, that said, uh, you know, calendars have changed, you know, British summertime, whatever. You know, we got to... <laughs> You know, <laughs> we got to make it's on the sixteenth this year. You know, <laughs> you know. It, but it's it's interesting because you know, like you said as well, does this? You know, the time is is a is a human construct. You know, we we've we've created the the segments. Okay, time exists because things start and end, and and there's a duration to it. But we measured. But it. we, we measured it. Measure yeah. It. Um, and so you know, did. You know the spirit world, which presumably has, has you know been around long before we did. You know, long before we were. You know, if, if they were, you know, creation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, did they suddenly go? Humans have invented time, right? We're gonna uh, we're gonna set our watches by this now. You know, get ready um, because now we got to follow this. It, it's always seemed weird to me, but that what you kind of said about the fact that. The, the calendar changes and the fact that maybe there aren't really these anniversary ghosts and maybe they do inhabit those areas for longer periods of time answers those questions i, I could sleep now you know <laughs> <laughs> We're worrying about ghosts sitting with their clocking in card yeah, waiting yeah. Over goom, goom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's time it's time i've got to go i've got to go yeah yeah or, or, or sitting somewhere busy watching a film or whatever, like, oh, no, I can't see the end. I've got to go to Port, <laughs> Port Palace or something. Yeah, love pressure cord. I got that haunt in the do again. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. What a wonderful thought. But, yes, uh, I mean, does the paranormal respond to any sort of human world um, construct? Um, and I suspect the answer is probably not. Unless, um, unless you're talking about your car pulling up outside the house, you know, is that still? Well, I, I don't know whether that, that would be. Yes, you're right. That <laughs> you know, it's a free, It's such a bizarre. I mean, this is why I just love the paranormal so much because you can you can follow these little threads of wool round and round and round and round in a circle like a kitten playing with it, can't you? Mm. Um. And and just get your lost, yourself lost in the thought of it as to what is actually causing, because if we're talking, if the if the explanation for paranormal ghosts, if you like, because it's ghosts primarily that I write about, is they are the spirits of dead people, and they're coming back to haunt, then then that does suggest, well, why do some do it and not others? Why don't they just come and? talk to all of us instead of apparently to just a select few um you know why do we not have more interaction because all of us would love to be able to talk to people we've lost and i'm sure they would love mm. to be able to talk to us yeah, yeah. if they were able to breach that barrier they obviously can't if that's the explanation because otherwise we'd all be interacting with all our loved ones all day every day wouldn't we Mm. The only problem with that is you probably get visits from people you really don't want to see or hear from. No, but can you can you imagine the person that invents some kind of you know I I know that you know you 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 hear about these tools that they use for ghost hunting and everything you know the the ovulus and all of these other different things yeah if they and and I, I'm not putting down anyone that uses this but if they truly worked the person that made that would be a multi billionaire. Because it is what, as you said, we all want. We all want to be able to communicate with our loved ones, et cetera, et cetera. So that whole idea of a spirit phone, 
you know if there is if yeah. there could ever be such a thing um i think w- would make that that inventor you know yeah a household name overnight you'd be like nah i don't want a new tv i want one of those mm. yeah. yeah and and it would change society forever as yeah. well gosh skype you know? your loved ones can you imagine that hey Oh, you know, yeah. all joking aside, you know, it would it would be absolutely amazing. Ruth, we're coming to the end of our our time, unfortunately. Um, I we could honestly carry on this all day. There are <laughs> so many questions and and everything that I that I I know I have for you, and and I know Bella does too. We we've sat and discussed, and and we said, you know, we you know, there's a few things we want to ask Ruth. We've got you know, sort of 45 to 50 minutes to, to be able to do it. You know, what are we, what are we going to ask her? And it, it got heated, I'll say. It got heated, <laughs> you know. Um, but, I always say, never get me talking about the paranormal because I'll never fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> now, listen, on a, on a personal level, I know that you've had a horrendous few months and for you to still be producing the amazing work that you're doing and and you know supporting our show the way that you do uh we got a lot of love for you and you know just want to say thank you very very much oh thanks guys appreciate that all right you look after yourself will do take care bye bye that was great to talk to ruth wasn't it yeah it was definitely. yeah absolutely amazing well we've got another chap along here who you hear on our show regularly he's on every month and uh he provides us some amazing amazing content uh he's out there actually boots on the ground doing the work finding the stuff for himself he's going to show us today some of the equipment that he uses to do that please welcome to the show richard lenny hi richard hi hi how you doing yeah how we're is- really good good to see you Thanks for having me on, and it's good to see you too. Yeah, no, that that's, is, is amazing. And welcome, by the way, to our 100th episode. That's the reason why we're doing yes. this a little bit different, 100th episode. Um, I know. So pleased that you've been a part of it. Yeah, it's good to know that you've been um, doing this for 100 times and uh, still going strong. Yeah, well, I don't know about going strong, but we're going. <laughs> yeah, well, happy birthday anyway. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Um, so, uh, Richard, you are out there, as I said earlier on. You are looking at, uh, at the stuff in the sky above all of our heads, stuff that a lot of the time we're oblivious of. We don't know what's going on unless, obviously, um, you know, we we follow your example. Uh, how can people see some of the stuff that you're seeing? Right. Well, the majority of what I see, obviously, is at nighttime. So I use night visions for that, which I can show you in a sec. But a lot of people say to me, Rich, why is it we don't really see much during the day? And when we do see stuff during the day, it's, you know, really blurry and it's usually probably faked or somebody didn't use the equipment properly. And you can't really tell whether it was a plane or a balloon or something like that. So then I say to them, well, there is something you can do and it's very cheap and you can see them properly and you can watch what they do and how they act. Now, the the item um, I'm talking about is basically a simple uh, camcorder, which you can get off eBay for like 60 pounds but it has to have night shot which most of them do which means at night time you can video in infrared but it must uh, have a screw thread lens at the front so here are my night visions which i use uh, for nighttime viewing so to say this was a camcorder for a moment 
during the daytime, like I said, you want it to have a screw thread lens at the front because what you're going to do is get a filter, an infrared one, which you can pick up for about £20, just to screw on the front of that. So you get the measurement, make sure you get the right size, screw that on the end. Then on top of the camcorder, there'll be a button for night shot, so you push that on, but you're doing it during the daytime, but you still want that on as if it's nighttime. Set the zoom to infinity, and then all you do literally is go out in your back garden, Helps if it's a nice day, no clouds, blue sky, but you can still do it if it's cloudy. And then just look up, pan around. And if it is blue sky and it's clear, within about 30 seconds, you'll find one of these spheres that I keep on talking about on your show and other shows. And basically, it'll look like a white dot. And you may think it might be a balloon. But if you watch it, zoom in, like I say, if you keep it on infinity, you'll see that it's got the sun reflecting off it. And it'll be probably just still like that. Then all of a sudden it will start to move very slowly in any of these directions. And then it will might just go from slow and then shoot off real quick. But what they tend to do is they just hang around and they're waiting and they're viewing. We think they're drones controlled by something, you know, in space, um, which the ISS will pick up. And then if a plane comes across, it then goes up behind the plane and it will follow it. And it usually goes in and out of the contrail. And that's why sometimes you see contrails with wispy circles going around them. That's where the drone, the ET drone's gone into it and it can actually suck some of it. And I've seen that happen where you'll get a gap. Contrail, blue sky, contrail. And you actually watch it. It's like an eraser, a rubber. It literally sucks it or rubs it out. And then, yeah, and then after it's done that, it'll fly off, but it'll go very fast. So these things are up there all the time. Now, this camcorder with the filter on, with the night shot, that will pick it up. Now, they're not actually hidden. This is the strange thing. They're not hidden in infrared as such. They're up there. If you come down low enough, you can see them in the naked eye. You don't need any equipment. And a lot of people do see them. And unfortunately, you know, they're going to think they're just balloons. But not all. Sometimes they are balloons. But nine times out of ten, they're not. And the thing is, with this equipment, with the camcorder and the filter, all it does, it basically just lets you see it a lot clearer and you can see the detail on it. And then you'll know straight away whether it is a balloon or not, because it'll seem metallic. Um, you know, there'll be no there'll be no string hanging from it. You know, nothing like that. So, uh, no yeah, that's right. No <laughs> and there'll be the activity as well. You, you can tell if it's a balloon, can't you? By the yeah. way, it, it acts, you know, this thing will be like rock steady. And I've seen two or three as well. And when a plane goes across, one will shoot off towards the plane. The other two will stay there. And they're obviously doing something else. Um, Like I said, we think, I mean, we don't know this for certain, but we think they're, we're pretty much certain they're drones controlled by something bigger out in space. They're not big, as in big, big. They're not huge. I'd probably say, I mean, I've not actually had one, unfortunately, to measure, but I'd say they're probably about the size of a very small, like a mini or something like that in spherical form. So they are big, but they're not massive. And we also believe, and we've had this confirmed by pilots, that some of these do hit planes. Um, When they come down, they say, oh, it's a bird strike or something like that. There's no, you know, feathers, there's no blood, there's no nothing on these planes, and they've just got cracked paint and a dent um they the pilots will say yeah that's not a boat strike that's something else and they, they think is it hail or is it something like that you know but no the windshield's fine there's no battles anywhere around the plane if it's just a solid break and a dent then it's usually that you've hit one of these things and i notice on your facebook page which is something that i want to talk about quite a bit today actually because the content that you're putting out daily 
um, is is absolutely incredible. And people are sending you stuff from all over the world. And in fact, um, yeah, yeah. I saw recently you put a post on there about um, uh, Canadian pilots who have actually come forward and said that in the last couple of years, there's been more than a dozen reports that they've actually submitted to encounters yeah. with unidentified flying objects. Yeah, that's correct. Um, why Canada? I don't know. But I can tell you that Canada is a hotspot anyway. It always has been over the years, you know, going quite back into the 60s even. Um, also a hotspot, by the way, for missing people too, which, um, yeah, it all seems to be connected, but in some way or another. But I've yes. seen a, a show on that actually about the people that just go missing and yes. they never find them. That's the missing 411 that, yeah. that Richard's actually been doing a lot of uh, research into recently. Yeah. That's right. I've got, yeah, I've actually, because I think in a way it could be connected, I've actually done a, a lot of heavy research on it. I've really gone into it and um, I've been talking to David as well, David Politis, who's obviously set it all up emailing him i'm sending him stuff he's sending me uh, some information and i found some interesting stuff um because where these people are going missing in these areas in national parks the seismographs are going crazy because what happens is you get seismographs which people check daily for earthquakes especially around the caldera you know the yellowstone um, volcanoes they just check them anyway just to see how bad they are and of course you get magna intrusion that all shows up on on these graphs but there's some, right? It's really weird. They, they do aerobatics. They're like going all over the place like this. And they can't even, the people that control them can't understand what they are. And I thought, well, I recognize the name of that one because it was from an area where people went missing. So I did a bit of research, digged in a bit more. And because this wasn't the only one that was going crazy. There was about four or five of them. So I checked all of them. And yeah, every one of these that went crazy, there were clusters of people that were going missing, according wow. to David. Yeah, I know. So... You know, there's something going on either in the earth or around that, you know, area that's making these seismographs go absolutely wild. And um, to say that the two aren't connected would be crazy because they must be in some way, you know, because isn't it more than a coincidence Yeah. that all five, I mean, there could be more. I mean, this was just the five on that day that were going crazy, you know, that they all corresponded to clusters of people that have gone missing, especially children, unfortunately. So, um I think the two are connected. And also people say they see like the Predator, you know, from the movie Predator, where they've got yeah. this like cloaked monster thing that's going through the trees. Well, a hunter, a woman, she was up in her perch with a rifle and um, just, you know, on a daily basis, that's what they do out there for hunting. And she was sitting there quietly and she heard this rustling and she thought, oh, I wonder what that is. So she looked through her binoculars and all she could see was something going through the tree from tree to tree an outline of some humongous like man or being but she couldn't see it she could just see the outline of it and she said it just reminded her completely of the movie predator it was exactly the same how they portrayed it on the movie hmm. how scary is that and also just before she saw that all the noises of birds and animals in the forest area where she was all went quiet and she yeah. thought that was she thought that was odd yeah, but um, isn't that interesting that that a lot of the cases on the missing four one one say exactly the same thing that they're not that all of a sudden, you know, um, animal noise stops. But you hear that with UFO cases as well. 
you can do you can hear that and also the opposite as well where everything's quiet and then you'll start hearing animals in the farmyard starting to chirp and bark and that and then you see something come over so it can happen both ways right but yeah with a forest of course it's always noisy usually anyway except maybe towards the evening when it sort of dulls down a little bit but yeah this was like uh, two o'clock in the afternoon and um she said it just went completely quiet and then it was about a minute after that she saw this thing and then um she did actually take a picture of it and you can see there is a corner where you can see part of this thing you know and you can see it in with the leaves you can see something there but she unfortunately couldn't catch all of it but um yeah, she got, she got down from that perch pretty quick afterwards. I bet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, you mentioned that Canada is is a bit of a hotspot anyway. Yes. Where are the hotspots around the world at the moment? I remember it always used to be sort of South America, you know, or, or the, the majority of them. But yeah. is that still the case? Or are we seeing more of a shift to the UK? Have we got researchers like yourself and and um, Paul Sinclair and others that, that are, say, you know, saying that the... the the prevalence of cases here is is ramping up but is it ramping up everywhere or you know yeah. where, where's the where are the yeah. main hotspots I, I agree it is Matt, it is um increasing all over the world um i can tell you that brazil and mexico have definitely they were hotspots anyway but they've gone up even more now the border which is unusual between america and mexico the actual wall that they've got there we you know where they've got like security and everything all over the place they actually have um, a load of people trying to get over the wall, don't they, you know, to get into America. And there was a case where there was this thing coming after them and it was cloaked. <laughs> so they decided to run towards the security guards instead because this thing was coming through a bush which would have torn you to shreds if you'd gone through it. And this thing just prowled through it like it was butter, you know. And one of the security guards happened to have an infrared camera because the security guards that were by the wall that had the weapons didn't have, they had night vision, but they didn't have infrared fleur guns. So they saw the people then the, that were trying to get over the wall. Then they, they changed and came towards them. And they said, we don't know why they're coming towards us. They're running towards us. They thought they were going to charge at them. So they had their weapons ready. And then their security guy up on, on one of the little post things, uh, so he could look down, said, no, no, there's something chasing them. I've got it on my fleur gun. It's huge. So wow. they waited for them. Yeah, they waited for these guys, you know, these um, Mexicans come towards them and, and they got them basically into one of their huts. And he said, don't come out, don't come out, stay, stay there with the guns. And then the thing was just at the edge where this foliage was, which could tear you apart just before the wall. And then it turned and went back. Now, I've heard this so many times where people have said they thought they'd seen Bigfoot, but it was like hidden and it comes to the edge of where you are, you're literally feet in front of it, and then it turns and goes back. And that MO happens all the time. It just wants you to know that it's there, and it can get you if it wants to, but it doesn't, and then it turns and goes away. Maybe it's just trying to get you to leave its sort yeah. of area, yeah. you know. So that story's always stuck with me, and I heard this story years ago from uh, one of the, the actual security guards, so it was a proper proper source. And, of course, that reminded me about the 411 as well, um, you know. And also, I know I've not researched it, Bigfoot, um, because that happens, obviously, in national parks where people think they've seen Bigfoot or something that resembles that. So there's definitely something going on. So I think, but I think there's more than one thing going on. 
because there's certain different types of people when they go missing. And I think there's something could be to do with the ufology side of it. Maybe the ETs are doing something um, which tends to sort of go with more of the younger generation, like teenagers, children, babies. Then you've got the proper grown ups and the adults. They seem to be affected by this um, predator type, Bigfoot type style predator thing. So you've got two, I think, going on. Whether they're collaborating and working together, I don't know. But anyway, it is happening. And, you know, we still don't know for sure what it is. But all I can say is for people listening here today that are thinking of going into a national park in America this year, because obviously it's all opening now, by all means, go have a great time, but just be vigilant and also keep your children, you know, in your eye with. Yeah. Yeah. In eyesight and all the time, because David said he was on a trail he saw this child literally by a river and like, where's your parents? Oh, they're over there. And they were in a tent like, and you couldn't even see the tent from where the child was. He could have fallen in the river, but then also he could have got taken, you know, so they took him back to his parents. You and- don't tend to, tend to see them as much today, but when my kids were little, we had like this um, this little harness type thing, if you like, that we, you would clip onto your belt and yeah. they would have it on their belt. You know, That's they- right. And and you know yeah, it's you like were, a lanyard. You were tethered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, lanyard. Yeah, I was trying to think yeah. of the word. Yeah, lanyard. Mm. So yeah, you, you're actually physically tethered to them. I mean, something like that would be a sensible idea, wouldn't it? If you're going out to somewhere like that, I think so. But just as I was just saying, just make sure they're in eyesight, and also take um, a locator beacon with you. Everyone should have one of those when they go into these parks. Have it on you all the time, you know, so at least you can be tracked, especially if your phone's switched off or whatever, you know. Yeah, or I, we wouldn't I, have a signal even, maybe. That would also be a... Exactly, exactly, know. yeah. yeah. So locate a beacon, beacon is a must if you're going into a national park of any sort or forest, you know. And that's including anywhere in the world, not just America, anywhere. Because, by the way, these people going missing isn't just... Because I assumed it was just mainly national parks in America, especially, by the way, Yosemite. That's the one where the most people go missing. Don't know why, but Yosemite's the, the top of the list. And then it goes down Grand Canyon. It goes all the way down from there. But no, this is happening all over the world. You know, it's happening in Ireland. It's happening in the UK. You know, got people going missing in Manchester by rivers. You know, it's happening everywhere. But it's not just in parks and in forests now. It can be actually anywhere. You could be outside your front door. And again, this is this is why I'm heavily researching it because it's not just national parks that this people, children especially, are going missing. They were, you know, they're by their parents and then they, they turn go back and they're gone you know are they ever found some aren't no some are never found um the one with the with the grandfather in the front garden with the three-year-old um he turned to, i think to pick up a cup of tea you know the big garden turned back he was gone like oh he couldn't gone very far because he's only three so looking around for him you know where's he is he hiding under the you know the, the seat out in the garden no he's not there and then the search becomes, you know, the sheriff gets involved because it was in America. Then the sheriff gets in everybody, you know, and, and saw or um, brought in search and rescue. And um, he, he was never found. So you tell me what happened to this three-year-old that was in his front garden. Where did he go? He's never, ever, ever been found. And this is going back about eight years ago. Yeah, I, I know that some of the missing 411 stuff that I've read, um, they're fi- finding, like, you know, clothes that are, you know, you know, miles up a track, you know, from from a child, you know, up a mountain 
where there's no way that that child could have climbed that. Or in some cases, they uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're actually they search an area, they search it with dogs. You know, they they cover the whole area, and then um, they come back, and at some point later on, something is found of that of that child, for instance, or the child itself yeah. is found. Um, and it's a place where the the blood dogs were hunting, you know, looking for for them. The search dogs. Um, there's no way that they would have missed them. It's almost like they've been put there later. Is that is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, there is one case when you said about a high up, uh, who's a nine year old boy with his parents. Again, they literally turned to do something. I think he was playing with a ball. He turned back. The ball was still bouncing. Wow. He was gone. He was gone. And it was flat area. So where did he go? I mean, you, you know, he's beamed up, basically. I mean, what else could he have? You know, he was just not there. The ball was still bouncing. Anyway, like, again, the search, you know, and then the search becomes sore. They get the sheriff involved. He brings in, you know, you've got helicopters. You've got, you know, all stuff going on. Anyway, about seven or eight miles down from, I can't remember whereabouts this was, but it was in a national park. It could have been Yosemite. I'm not sure. But seven miles downrange. We have a couple walking, okay? All of a sudden, they hear a scream. And they go, where's that coming from? And they look up, and they're near a mountain, okay? And up on a ledge, about 300 feet up, they see something. They have binoculars, so they're having a look. And she's looking, and she's saying, there's a little boy up there. I'm sure of it. So she gives it to her friend, and he looks. And there is a boy up there. And they can't understand how he got up there. So they go back. Um, to tell the sheriff, you know, that they've seen something up there. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they're not sure, but they heard this scream anyway. So one thing leads to another, and, and they think, well, surely it can't be this boy that's gone missing like nine miles down the range or wherever it was, 10 miles down the range. So they go anyway, they go, and of course, you've got to have equipment, you've got to get climbers in, you know, and guess what happens? The weather changes, because this is what happens every time people go missing. It started to snow. This is the end of um, at the end of uh, May, beginning of June. It starts mm. to snow. Was where's this coming from? And it, three foot we're talking about. So yeah. of course it hindered the yeah, hindered the search. And then eventually they got the climbers to go up there to this ledge that they said they saw this boy on. Nothing there. He was never ever found. Goodness his, me! His body wasn't at the bottom. There was no sign. They checked everywhere. If he'd fallen. Wow. Nope, nothing. We we've obviously heard in the past of things like cattle abductions, for instance, right? And I know this is something that you wanted to talk about because it's something very topical at the moment. But do you think that maybe if there is some kind of extraterrestrial involvement in this, that maybe they've they've you know there there was there was a, a scientific um quote that i heard at some point that said that well of course they would look at cows because the dna is is actually quite similar you know Correct. with with humans yep. so do you think that it could be a natural progression from you know the cattle then to to moving on to people and you know what what do you think yeah because their cattle have been going missing and also been mutilated for hundreds of years um so and i believe um, I don't know for certain, but I believe it all started with with cattle and then it moved up to humans. But obviously we don't know this for certain. But yeah, that ha has been happening for a long time. Um, it started where a farmer would have like 50 cows in his shed. He'd lock the shed up. Then he'd get a phone call to say that his cows 
he's just, no, he literally 30 seconds ago locked up are two miles down the road at another farmer's field in the road. And he knows that they're, they're, and he knows that they're his because it's got his stamp on them. So he's phoning him to tell him, you better come down and, you know, and pick them up. He said, no, 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 they're not mine. I've just literally locked them away just now. He said, well, they've got your stamp on it. He runs out, opens the cow shed, bang, empty. Now, this connects with me with the missing 411 because it all interlinks, doesn't it? Yep. You know, one minute the child's there, the next minute he's gone. One minute your cows are there, the next minute they're gone. Okay, the cows are down the road two miles. But they're still it moved. Re- <laughs> it reminds me of uh, when we spoke to uh, Dr. Michael P. Masters, I think it was. He he was talking about a case where there was an abduction, uh, a, a suspected UFO abduction of a lady in Australia. And um, she was abducted and then... Something like 30 minutes later, she appeared over 800 kilometers away in another area of um, Australia, out in the middle oh. of nowhere. Um, now, there were there were people that saw her in this one location. She doesn't have a twin. Saw her in this yeah. one location, and half an hour later, she was 800 kilometers away. Now, she has some recollection of, of being, you know, um, abducted, I believe, but right. to her, obviously, the time was a lot longer. You know, she felt that she was up there for a, for a significant amount of time. I wonder, did did the ETs, if if they're responsible for it, just think, sod you, I'm I'm dropping you yeah. here, you know, closest, yeah. you know, I, I've I've got to be somewhere, type of thing, or did they get it wrong and put her in the wrong location? You know, was there a malfunction? I don't know, but yeah. you know, clearly these things are happening where somebody or something some animal is being taken and either dropped somewhere or never dropped anywhere that's right and i i believe that in, the, in that case it's a possibility they took her and then it wasn't what she, they wanted and they she just didn't thought... <laughs> the, she didn't she didn't um fit what they wanted for that particular time so they dumped her yeah mm. that's what i think happened there but um so it's like a teleport thing but with crop circles you know a lot of them are man-made right well, with mutilation of cattle, a lot of them are done by the government. And then the black, hop, black ops uh, whisper helicopters, bring them back in and drop them. And a lot of people are saying, well, that's what's going on. Uh, yeah, that is going on. Like crop circles are being also made by man. But the reason they're doing that is to hide the fact that some of them aren't and some of the cattle aren't, if that makes sense. They're being taken and then, you know, put back later on. But the strange thing is, why? Why would you take a cow, do what you're going to do to it, and then bring it back and put it back where you found it? Are you talking Be- about the Black Ops side or are you talking about the ET side? The ET side. Right, then. okay. Why would they do that? Hmm. Um, obviously, the Black Ops are doing the same thing because they're copying what the ETs do. We're assuming they're ETs. We'll say they're ETs that are doing this. Um, they bring them back to the same area they take them from. Well, the only thing that tells me that is because they want you to find it, right? Yeah, because they dump it somewhere else. Yeah, because they're not fixing it, are they? (laughs) You know, I mean, they're taking what they want from the cow. Obviously, they need that. They're taking the tap, whatever eyes, whatever. But why don't they just then do something else with it, or get rid of it, vaporize it, or whatever? You know, just drop it in the ocean. Why are they bringing it back to where they took it from, so the farmer's going to see it? And that puzzled me. It always has done. And the only exclamation I can think of is, is they want the farmer to find it. They want the farmer to know that it's taken the eyes, the tongues, or whatever. 
So and they what? want it to see how they've done it. And there's no blood. Because when the cow is brought back down, um, if I remember rightly, it's put, sometimes the cow is the other way around. So even though the, the bits they've taken from the cow, do you know what I mean? It's the other way. They're, so yeah, then when lying, they turn the cow... Yeah, they're yeah, lying on the wounds yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. when they turn the cow over, that's when they see all the mutilation. But there's no blood there mm. underneath. What's, so that's somewhere else. And then... Why the difference then? If if and I know I'm asking you to answer something that maybe doesn't have an answer as far as we're aware, but what's the difference then between um you know, if if we're saying that the same ETs potentially could be responsible for the cattle mutilations and the missing people, then yeah. why aren't we feel finding mutilated missing people other than maybe the Dyatlov Pass incident? Um well, we are finding mutilated people, oh, but right, okay. they're keeping it. They're keeping it low. Um, a lot of the time, when the bodies are found, like I said, they're found like either a long way away up a mountain. Although that boy obviously wasn't found, but you know, this there, there are stages where they are found, literally mm. miles away from where they disappeared. And if it's a small boy, how could he have travelled that far? But anyway, they're found always naked, always, always naked. And usually, like you said, their clothes are stacked with the shoes on top. They're folded beautifully like they've come out of a five-star hotel. You know, it's crazy. And sometimes the body will be found perched up against a tree like that, like he's sitting up with his head down like that, with no feet. The feet have been completely severed, okay, completely taken away. And their clothes, they'll be by a, a river. They're always by rivers, always by river. There'll be a mound in the middle of a river, and their clothes will be perched on top of that. So you've got wow. a body by a tree, you've then got the river, and then like out in the river with your pair of you see, well, there's his clothes, you know, and you've got to swim out to get them. And they're dry. The clothes are dry. You know, you couldn't make this stuff up. No, you and, you, and, could you not. and you couldn't even attribute it to some, something like a serial killer because of no. the unexplained elements of it, how something, how someone can disappear how someone can reappear you know how how um the, those great distances of of um you know short distance of time but great distance in in location yeah. um you know is not humanly you know i wonder whether and i know this is getting out there now and i apologize richard because there's no way i want to diminish your research or anything like that by trying to be smart or funny but it also it almost makes me wonder whether if we can have like a serial killer or someone who's a little bit sort of psychotic in some way whether yep. that kind of thing can happen with ets as well whether actually yeah. are they almost doing it for fun yeah you know yeah it makes you wonder doesn't it yeah are, they, are they bringing it back and, and laying the cattle down you know the yeah. other same way around because they're thinking haha you know yeah. look what happens when you turn it over yeah, I, I thought this, funny enough. I thought this as well. Exactly the same thing. Like rebel be, aliens. Mm. <laughs> and um, also, I, I want to know whether all these people that go missing as well, have they got the same blood group? Because apparently there's one thing they keep from the researchers, the people that try and find out what happened to these people. They won't tell them what their blood group is. Well, are they all the same, you know? Um, and why is it that more boys are taken than girls? That's another good one. More boys are taken than girls up to the age of 18. Um, again, haven't got an answer for that one. Um, also, when men are found, um, eventually, if they are found, and like I said, they're naked, they are sometimes found in water. 
Now, when her lady is in water, uh, deceased, if I remember rightly, she f- always floats up and the man always floats down. It might be the other way around, but I think I've got it right. But anyway, it's one floats one way and one floats the other. When men are found, they're found the same way as women in water when they're floating. By the way, that's to do with the, the build of the man because man's got um, a few different structures differently built, you know, with bones and stuff. And apparently the displacement of water makes a man float a different way to a woman. But in these cases, when they've gone missing, they act like women. So that tells me that certain organs maybe or certain bones have been taken away, which then makes them revolve round to float the same way as women. That's That's only a theory of mine. And the problem is that we have, by the way, with all these missing people, is the government or with people involved, the coroner, won't tell you everything. And also, nine times out of ten, the cause of death on every single one of these people is hypothermia. Hmm. It's always hypothermia every time, which is, you know, crazy because it can't always be hypothermia, you know. So, um, yeah, the whole the whole thing is, is just bizarre. It really is. It's but interesting I- what you just said, by the way, about blood groups. Um and and that you know these things are maybe being kept a secret. It reminds me of of and I didn't even tell you this yet, Bella. I went the other day for a blood test. I have to have blood tests every month, right? And I went the other day for a blood test, and I said to the nurse who was doing it because obviously she's got my file in front of her, yeah, um, on the computer. I said, oh, by the way, what what blood group am I? I said because I've always I've always wondered. She said um, it's not on here. I said, well. Oh, I, right. I said, I know that my blood group was taken when I was a kid because I remember them telling my mum. And I remember my mum saying that I was whatever, but she can't remember now what I am either. Mm. So I said, surely it's on there. She said, no, they don't have blood group on there anymore. No. For some reason, they just don't have it on your medical records anymore. Yeah, that is crazy. She said, said, "You you can have a test that you pay for that will tell you what blood group you are, but we don't keep them on the records anymore. Hmm. So you have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Oh, by the way, there's one more thing about all these people that go missing. um, And unfortunately, they won't test it unless you ask for it. But there is a drug. It's called, well, we nickname it the date drug. Now, the the, the date drug is basically, um, I think it's BHG. And uh, that's what it is, basically. And it makes you go tired and everything. Um, And a lot of these bodies that are found have this in them. They have this drug in them. Or you mean like Rohypnol, that type of thing? Yeah, they, they nicknamed the date drug, yeah. Hmm. But, yeah, they have it inside their system when they're found. So something or someone is drugging these people with this same drug that is used on what we have on the market, you know. And the, and the drug, sorry, is do you know if that's a, a synthetic drug or is it found in plant life or? Yeah, I believe it's I believe it's found in plant life, but the, you know it's a drug that you can buy it's for something else. But yeah, then yeah. obviously used in certain quantities, it makes you sleepy and then obviously drowsy, and then of course you can take control of that person. Yeah. Um, and it's found, but the thing is, they won't look for it unless the family ask for it, and some of these families have because they assume that their daughter. Or their, you know, son have been drugged. Yeah. So they look for it. They go, yes, Mrs. Crawford, it has. We have found that uh, drug in, in, you know. And every time it's always yes, 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 every time. So the ones that they obviously haven't asked to check, we'll never know. But I can probably guarantee you that they all have it as well. So I think so, it's an, 
so it's with everyone i think every single one that goes missing boy child man you know old young i think they've all got this this drug in them so they can obviously take the person without a struggle anyway absolutely I mean, they yeah. just make them disappear so then it makes you wonder why that's in their system are they doing it because yeah when they're doing whatever they do they don't want them to feel pain don't you know what's the you know because then that makes you think that they don't necessarily want the want them to die you, you know they want to mm. place them back even if it isn't in the same place but mm. if if they're if they can just take somebody who's bouncing a ball and nobody notices there's really no reason for that drug to be there so that's interesting exactly to think about. exactly and i said that too i said why are they using it because they don't yeah. need it do they you know um, there was one chap who um, thinks he was about to be taken and something happened and he didn't. So, of course, you know, they asked him what was the sensations, what was the feeling like? And he just said, I was in, um, I can't remember which national park it was now, but he went, the, there's the point of separation where you're in a group and you and you say, oh, I feel a bit tired, my feet are hurting, I'm going to rest for a minute, you go on, I'll meet you down at you know, the next intersection. And this is when it all starts, by the way is when you're on your own. It's very rare yeah. that two people are taken there. Occasionally they do, but it's very rare. So that's your point of separation. So now I'm on my own, you know, and this is the, now my chances of being taken have just gone up tenfold, you know. Um, but in this particular case, he was sat down, he felt tired, he was having a rest. Then all of a sudden, it was a beautiful day, it was blue sky, lovely and warm. All of a sudden he went oh, cold and it went dark and he thought it was gonna thunder. You know, he thought it was going to be a storm and he looked up and everything was gray and it all went dark. And then he, he said he started to feel tired and then it all went bright again and it went light and he was fine. And he got up and he went and walked down to his friends and he said, I just had a weird experience back there. <laughs> and they told him, he told him all about it, you know, but he just sort of went, oh, well, whatever, and walked on. So if we can take that as gospel that's what's happening to all these other people you know um they feel tired everything sort of goes dark they they feel cold and then we assume they get taken and then whatever happens after that where they go but a lot of these people that go missing they go missing for months you know and then they're found again i mean where do they go mm, you know where yeah. where do they go because like you said earlier they're found usually in the same place that's been checked a hundred times before with cover dogs, you know, blood hounds. Um, they, they said, well, we've been over this, you know, we've been there like a hundred times already. And then the body just appears. Yeah. it's Afterwards, it's... months later, in the same exact area that was checked time and time and time again. So yeah. where have they been? Where have they been for all these months? It's... You know, it, it always makes me think of fire in the sky. You remember that Travis Walton case? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where um, obviously, you know, he's, yeah, where he's obviously taken away and there, there's, how many, there's, there's some like a week's worth of, of missing time, isn't there? You know, people have, have lost him for about a week or whatever. To him, obviously, you know, it's a couple of hours, but, you know, in the meantime, people have think that you know his his friends have murdered him or you know dumped him somewhere in mm. the forest where they were where they were working, etc. But yeah, it, so someone can be gone for for months, but to them it may seem like 
you know, yeah, he actually spoke to me about that because um, I spoke to him on the phone about it. And he said it was five days he went missing. He said to him it was like 40 minutes, an hour. Wow. Yeah. But he reckons now the reason they took him aboard, he's changed his story a bit. He thinks that they killed him and they had to take him aboard to bring him back to life. You know, when he went under the craft, he said he yeah, got yeah. hit by something, yeah, which was probably an electrical right. charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He now believes that that killed him. Completely killed him there and then. So then they took him aboard to, to you know, to bring him back. Fix him. Why? Mm-hmm. Fix him up, yeah. Why? That's what he's now, he believes, after all these years, yeah. I mean, there's there's got to be a massive number of questions, hasn't there? You know, if something like that happens to you. I know that you've, you've experienced missing time, you know. I've experienced the- missing time. Whether yeah. I got take, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, you're right, yeah, I'm, in 1980, December, yeah. yeah. That's right, I saw those... Um, lights over my school, which was around about the Rendlesham, just before the Rendlesham incident, yeah, in, yeah. in uh, Christmas. Yeah, I remember you, you tell us on the first ever interview that we yeah. did with you. Um, that... Yeah, my tea was ruined. Going back to your Facebook page, um, you have recently put a video on there that actually may um, explain some of the way that um, things are taken. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, with um, with the with the with the beams coming down and, and take. Yeah, that's right. I've got um, a video actually of a farmer driving a car through a dirt road, and he actually saw um, what he thought was a light in the sky, plasma ball, which we do see quite a lot as well, by the way. And we still don't know what they are. Um, and he gets his camera, his cell phone, to take a, a video of it, and it turns out that it's saucer shaped. And then all of a sudden, you get a beam coming down, which I've seen before, but this isn't the same sort of beam that I've seen. Normally, it's like, a, you know, when you get a laser pen, that sort mm. of thing. No, this was not like that. This was like a veil of green coming down like that. So it was like that coming down, but it was like a green veil. So you could still see mm. through, you know, everything. And it went down to his cow shed. And it was like going backwards and forwards over the cow shed. Now, I've heard this before with Nina down in Devon, where she said she had the same thing going over her car. Literally, it scans it. It's like it's scanning it. And that's all you see on that part of the video. Pretty amazing video. And you can see it's all done in, you know, there in the field sort of thing. Well, I had this video, and that's all I had was just that. It lasted literally two minutes, three minutes. And it was given to me by a lady called June Miller. She's a researcher. She's great. She's like me. She's seen everything, like, over the years, like, strange things and... Um, she's been researching stuff and everything. She's caught loads of stuff on camera. And she was given to it by this farmer who she sort of vaguely knows because he contacts her because he sees a lot of stuff. And she's had this video since 2014. Rich, put it up on your Facebook page. So I did, blah, blah. Guess what? Within 12 hours, it went private and you couldn't watch it. So I wow. said to June, yeah, I said to June, June, this video you've had since 2014 What's going on? I can't play anymore. People are saying it's not on there. And I went, yes, it is. Watch it. And then I clicked it and it, it says it goes to private. And she said, what? And anyway, she gets back to me after five minutes. She goes, Rich, it's not even on my hard drive anymore. And I went, sorry? She goes, it's not even on my hard drive. And I went, how is that possible? She says, it's gone. I can't. I was going to give it to you again. She goes, I'm going to contact the farmer. I've got his phone number or his details, his email address. So I thought, okay. Anyway. That goes by. The next day, I get a message from her saying, he sent it to me again, 
but he's also got footage of somebody taking um, a video of the saucer during the daytime with a cow under it. Well, well we assume. We assume no, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not that clear. But it, there is something under it. It's about the size of what would be a cow. Mm. It's bigger than a human, let's put it that way. Um, so it's an animal of some sort. So I said, okay. So she sent me that, and the whole thing is about eight minutes. So I put that back up. Fingers crossed, it's still up there. So if you want to go over and have a look at it, it's on my Facebook page. Um, and you, you'll see it. It says, farmer driving down a dirt road. Yeah, get it, the, get it, if, get it now. Watch it now, just in case it is, uh, yeah, it yeah, is yeah, removed, yeah. guys. I'll put it on and your hard drive. What I, what I was going to say, <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is that you know people need Maybe. to put them on like USB sticks or whatever, so that yeah, they're yeah, away yeah. from their computer, so that they can't be hacked or whatever. You know, if it's but if isn't it's, that amazing? You know, she's had it since 2014, hasn't done anything with it. So of course it's been there. You know, yeah. she gives it to me. I put it on my Facebook page, and within 12 hours, it's gone to private. Have you ever spoken to Marie D. Jones? No, I haven't. No. no. So she she's obviously she was um, part of MUFON. Um, right. You know, she was a MUFON investigator. And I remember her telling me that when she first started really investigating stuff with MUFON, um, she had um, started having phone calls um, from somebody it, describing to her what was on her coffee table in front of her. You know, oh. what she was wearing, yeah. you know, and all that sort of stuff. And she said it totally freaked her out. It's one of the reasons why she stopped working with MUFON. Because it looked like the minute she started getting close, things started then affecting her in her personal life. You know, she's there with her son, etc. you know. Sure, so, sure. Um, yeah. So... Mm. It, it's interesting you know it just adds more credence i think to the fact of what you were saying that sometimes if you get too close they don't like it yeah and, yeah and they're gonna well, try and remove any kind of evidence they can ed grimsey who stayed with me unfortunately he's passed away now he was the guy that brought me by the way into night vision um which i'll just tell you about in a sec that you know um and he got really close he had a video of one UFO apparently blowing another one up. He was going to show it at a conference. In the interval, he had his dinner. He was going to show it in the second part of his talk. It was a two-hour show. These two guys came up in suits and told him not to show it. If he did, it's a big desert out there. You know, they'll never find you. So he got threatened. Then, another time, he had his farm set on fire, lost everything, you know, in the farm. So... Um, and also, I know I can relate to that because uh, Justin Bieber, his cousin, Jason Bieber, who was a friend of mine, he worked at Nellis Air Force Base, which, of course, is on the edge of Area 51. He started talking to me, which, of course, no one that's there should be on any social media. Unfortunately, you know, he was only just to sort of say hi to his friends. He started telling me something maybe he shouldn't have done. And next thing I know, they got rid of his house. He had a lovely big house in the side of a rock, which was by Nellis. He lost everything, plus his Tesla car. Everything just literally got blown up. And they said it was a gas leak or something. But he knows it wasn't. It was just them saying, look, you know, we're watching you. So that's when he said, Rich, I can't talk to you anymore, unfortunately. And he told me what had happened. And I said, oh, God, I'm sorry. He said, no, no, he said, it's nothing to do with you. It's just, you know... It's everything, but obviously you talking to you didn't help. And I've never spoken <laughs> to him again, and that was that. So, um, yeah, you're right. When you get too close, they close the door. Mm. Sometimes f forever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, what what um, model of night vision goggles have you got there then? So, what um, wh- how if I wanted to get that model there, how much would that set me back? Five hundred and forty nine pounds. The reason it's five hundred and forty nine is because it records as well. They do a cheap one. It doesn't record for I think it's three hundred and forty nine. Has a memory card which slots in on the top here. So you just push the memory card in, and that's how it all works. And it's like a video player. You've got play, fast forward, rewind. And basically, through here, you've got a CCD Sony TV screen. It's only a small one. Uh, it's all digital. And then basically, that's your TV screen, which you can then watch back what you've just recorded. Or uh, there is a connection here somewhere where you can connect it to a TV and then obviously put it out on a bigger screen. So that means then, if you want, because obviously, like I said, the screen's only small. It's like a postage stamp through there. If you connect it to a TV 14-inch portable and go like that, then watch the TV screen while you're going across the sky. And then when you catch something, just follow it like that. And then you see it bigger. Oh, right. Okay. So so you can go bigger if you want. Um, and that doesn't really cost much. You just put the TV you know, outside your back garden when it's a nice night, put the lead through, and then you've got it, haven't you? It's all connected. Um, so now this is the good thing about these, by the way, is they're generation one plus generation one is more of a toy. So you mustn't get generation one. It's got to be generation two or above. Otherwise, you're really not going to see anything because the quality is going to be so rubbish. Now, generation one plus is equivalent to two plus is equivalent to three. That's how it works. And you can't get generation three in this country because it's illegal. We don't know why, but it just is. So two plus is OK. You can get that over here. Um, so this is equivalent to, and um, I see a lot of stuff through this. The second one, the smaller one up the top here, that, by the way, is for your infrared. Now, you've got a button that you push on and off for that. If you turn the infrared on, it zaps your batteries. But you've still got quite a few hours, so it goes from six hours to something like two for the battery life. But when you put the infrared on, you see so much more. You see right. so much more. They're really, really good. So you've you've, so, um, you've done a lot of um, a lot of reports recently about the uh, activity around the Aristarchus crater and yeah. around the ISS. Um, do you think that um, because of maybe the lockdown, where the atmosphere has has maybe got a little bit cleaner? because there hasn't been obviously as, as much pollution and and maybe there hasn't been as much air travel from you know from the earth here um do you think that's made things easier and to see and also on from that do you think that that's sparked a reaction from maybe extraterrestrials wondering what the hell's going on on earth that suddenly everything's quieter and and there's not as much activity a lot more people are seeing stuff due to the fact that it is clearer um, when, when we had the lockdown. Absolutely, guaranteed, 100%. And also from space looking down as well. Um, but there's activities just literally in this last month or two has gone through the roof. Um, I made a note of some of the stuff. There is a lady called Mary Hall. She's a YouTuber. And she does what I used to do years ago, like watch it all the time, like the live feed. I can't do that now, but um, she still does it. And of course, because of that reason, she's catching loads of stuff, as you can imagine. And there was one particular one which I found fascinating. 
and it only happened three or four nights ago where you saw part of the night um part of the um iss and it was just coming into nighttime over the earth so the sun was obviously on the other side so it's starting to get dark and then you see these flashes and it's quite a few of them okay when these flashes stop these two spheres shoot out of it and then they go to a stop like that and then all these spheres start coming out so these are like sentries and they're just there and then all these spheres are coming out and go right over the iss hundreds of them wow and then yeah and then these two then when that all stops these two then fly off in the same direction found it fascinating that is not a reflection from inside the iss yeah, this yeah. is happening outside you know flashes from space by the way is an interesting one because i've caught them on my night vision and you see them and i remember ed grisley telling me that when sometimes you think you see um i used to, we used to call it summer lightning here in the uk where there's no clouds it's all stars but you see like there's something up there that's causing the lightning still well you see that flash every now and again but you only see it once and you think what's that a flash you know and he says it's one of these ufos blowing another one up which he you know he, he did catch it on video um so he could be right but through the night visions i'll be like that sitting there just waiting for something to happen um in a certain part of the sky that i feel is busy for that night and then i'll just see a little flash deep in space you know really deep in space it'll be a little flash and then uh, 12 seconds later, it'll happen again. And this will go on every 12 seconds for like half an hour, and then it'll stop. Hmm. And it'll move a little bit, but it basically is in just the same position. And then the next night I'll go out, and I'll see it again, but it'll move from, say, the northwest over to the east, and it'll be every 10 seconds for like 15, 20 minutes. And it may have been going on longer, you know, because I'll just move in, and then I'll see it, and then I'll wait count you know one mississippi two mississippi and then it'll do it every 10 seconds mm. what they are i don't know i put it on facebook a guy in canada again canada he's seen it as well and confirmed it and he said rich yeah i've been seeing it as well we don't know what it is but it's something deep in space and it's like a, a signal or something going off you know and i'm wondering whether it's to do with uh, these um big space stations that john wilson uh caught on his telescope you know when he zoomed out and the star became not a star, but because when you zoom out on a star, it goes into a donut. Mm. When you zoom out on these things, you get what you see. And that's in this case, it was like some sort of a space station. I'm wondering if these things deep in space, you know, giving off these lights. Mm. But we don't know. I mean, it's just something that's there and we still don't know what it means. Well, we definitely recommend <laughs> everyone going via your Facebook page and uh, keeping abreast of, of your your work and your research and and you are putting a lot of content out there so anybody that is interested in this definitely follow richard on facebook and and follow everything that he's doing because um he's a wealth of knowledge and i think one of the um great um researchers in this country that that are trying to trying to make everything a little bit clearer for us you know we don't all have the time to to be able to look for this yeah. stuff you know um this is why we brought you onto the show because um or or certainly asked you if if you would because um you know we just we don't have the time to do the kind of research that you're doing and and you know you dedicate your life to it and you know i i want you to know that we appreciate it and um yeah. and we know our our listeners do as well and hopefully 
this would be something that we can do on a little bit more regular basis actually have sort of a video interview or whatever um you know and and um start to get things a little bit more interactive for our listeners as we know that they would like to do as well that'd be good yeah absolutely and um thanks for having me on i really appreciate it no thank you honestly uh, just i just like to say it's basically a jigsaw puzzle and that's all i'm trying to do is get each piece yeah. And then if it connects with something I've done before and then I go down that route and if it connects, then I keep it and then I move on and the picture gets bigger and bigger and bigger and hopefully we'll get some answers one day. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much, Richard, once again. Thank you for giving up your time on a, on a Saturday. Uh, I, we really appreciate that. We know that your time is precious. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you. All Thanks. Best. Bye. Bye. Well, I really enjoyed that. That was um, quite interesting, wasn't it, for our uh, first ever video episode i hope this worked out okay yeah. for you guys the cool part is that we didn't actually have to do much because it's hard to pick who of ruth and richard is the you know the most interesting i mean it's so cool that we've got both of them at our sort of not disposal but that they are willing to share and to talk with us i think that's awesome yeah definitely well they want to get their message out you know they want to obviously um put their point across and you know if we can facilitate that then that's brilliant isn't it? thank you all for joining us uh, if you've stayed this long um and you watched all the way through then then we can only take our hat off to you i won't because i'll put my headphones off but i would there we go take my hat off to you um <laughs> thank you very much um do stop by again next episode is going to be back to audio but hopefully we'll do some more of these video podcasts for you as well um if you are just listening to it audio then get over on the, on the youtube have a look have a watch um because things like um richard showing us that that night vision stuff obviously we wouldn't have been able to do that just on audio so um you are missing out if you don't go and have a look at this particular episode on youtube you can get to our youtube channel just by searching www podcast or weird wacky wonderful podcast on youtube either of which also in the show notes of this show you will see the link for the youtube channel as well and you can get it via our website www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk and i'm really impressed that my wife didn't pull loads of faces as I was doing that spiel about the website then because usually when we're not being videoed she's going Ugh. I just tuned you out huh? <laughs> <laughs> just pretended like you were going words 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 that's all you hear the that's words words heard. words yeah. yeah yeah well we're gonna get <laughs> back to our weekend hope you enjoyed the show thank you very much and don't forget to stay Mm -mm. <laughs> come, on. Mm -mm. come on no come on let's do it don't forget to stay weird, weird wacky, wacky and, and wonderful. wonderful see she thought i was gonna mess her about but i wasn't gonna really take it easy y'all bye you gotta sit through it now huh? you gotta sit through it now